This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Here's something we can all agree on. Life's too short to be ordinary. And that's what our next guest wholeheartedly believes in. I'm so excited to welcome Charlotte Hamill to the show today. Charlotte's story is fascinating because she has never been afraid to take risks and pursue the road less travelled. While some kids opted for one career, Charlotte blended her two career goals, becoming a professional sportswoman and being a TV presenter, into one by becoming a showrunner for Sky Sports. So when her friends decided to ask 21-year-old Charlotte to start a social media agency, she knew she couldn't refuse. Charlotte is now the founder and COO of Born Social, a London-based social media agency for businesses that think like David, not Goliath. Her leap of faith has also landed her on the 2019 Forbes 30 Under 30 list. I'm thrilled to be talking to Charlotte today about how she harnessed the courage to do something different, how she started Born Social, and how she grew a simple startup into a phenomenal company. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible Forbes 30 Under 30 listees. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant Charlotte Hamill. Charlotte, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Real pleasure to be here. Love it. Look, you know, I connected recently over LinkedIn and when I looked into you and the awesome work you're doing at Born Social, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you making the time. Oh, no, pleasure. You know, I'm, I love podcasts. So I'd never turned out an opportunity to, to be on one and, uh, and, and change up from listening to them. So uh, no, I'm excited to get stuck into it. Love it. So cool. So, you know, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I run a social media agency um, called Born Social. Uh, We've been going for seven years now, which again feels like seven minutes and uh, 70 years all at the same time. But um, it's been an amazing journey seeing as we started the agency when we were 20, 21 years old, um, had no agency experience before, but... I think social was a world that we were probably more familiar with the most that were kind of in the industry. 
but it was super early days to get into social media. Um, so it's been a real journey ever since. And I mean, the trajectory of the industry is only going up still. So it's still a super exciting, exciting place to be. Um, but then there's, you know, loads we can go into about kind of how we started it and why we started it. Um, but fundamentally, we started with small businesses and really focused on doing work that we really cared about. And, uh, and that's what's taken us on the journey ever, ever since. And yeah, now we're a team of 45, so still not enormous. We've definitely got bigger growth ambitions <laughs> than that, but we're on our, on our way for mm. sure. Most definitely. Oh, I love it. It's, it's so cool to hear just the fact that you dived in at such a young age and you were just like, you know what, 21, 20, 21 with your team and you know, why not give it a go? And you're so right, it is such a high growth area and everyone these days, social media, social media, how do we address this and all of that? So it's super cool. Okay, so before we dive a bit deeper into your work, I want to start with a question that I have often found to be very insightful and revealing and that is, where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Well, I've grown up around Berkshire, which is one of the kind of home counties in the UK. Uh, so where Windsor Castle is, oh. <laughs> is where, where most people kind of recognise Windsor for. So um, I was born in Ascot, near Ascot Races. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of all those are all the landmarks that kind of, you know, anchor people in terms of where I'm talking about. Um, but Berkshire is is so lovely um I have my mum and dad and my brother and sister and uh I went to a convent school so uh yeah you know all the all the kind of stereotypical kind of Berkshire life tick boxes are kind of ticked and I think it really growing up gave me a sense of security and um that I think led to a level of fearlessness so all the risks I felt like I was taking in my life I was really lucky that they were conscious risks that I wanted to take and put myself out of my comfort zone because I felt so safe in all other areas of my life so you know there was you know lots of trips to the park and like going to feed the ducks at the Thames and you know all the it was like I had the best time growing up couldn't really have asked for anything more um was super into sports so I was kind of playing sport loads at the at the weekends and and I think kind of all that fed into my determination so you know that competitiveness I learned through sport and uh yeah the, I think the risk taking came from the fact that I just generally felt really safe growing up around around the lovely rural area of of Berkshire. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you make that kind of comparison that kind of thinking of I was felt so safe and so secure that I could take the risk and I think so many of us unfortunately in in some ways we we have that security but we don't feel the need to, you know, what would you, what would you say, do you think influence, was it your parents potentially that, that were always told you, you know, it's all right, it's all good, go for it? Or was it mainly just you and, and just the surroundings that you were in? No, my parents were definitely super <laughs> influential. Um, my mum's an art teacher um, and my dad is a very talented artist and sportsman. Um, but always kind of worked within like the business world um, and always hated his jobs. Mm. And so, A, the only thing, the lesson and the message at school they gave me growing up was the results do not matter. It's only 
ever about how hard you try. And I don't get me wrong, there were times where I didn't try <laughs> as hard as I probably should have. And they, and they definitely said, you know, Charlotte, <laughs> come on. <laughs> we got this, yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely they were, they yeah. were, I never understood the kids that would freak out about their results. Because I'd just be like, did you try your hardest? Because that is genuinely the message that came from my parents. Um, and then from my dad, I mean, and my mum as well, because as an art teacher, she really did follow up what, kind of what she cared about. Um, but they both very much were like, do what you love, do what you love. And particularly when it came to choosing my degree, you know, I remember being like 16 and just being like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Like, I really don't know. Like, I'm almost, I felt too young to know what I loved. And so I was just scrolling through all the degrees because, again, the type of school I went to, university was kind of like just on the cards for everyone <laughs> like they and and then it wasn't a bad thing I had a great time at university I mainly went to play netball <laughs> <Not gonna lie. laughs> to tell you the truth yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know I was scrolling through being like right who's got great netball facilities and a great netball team and what degree sounds interesting and fun and that's genuinely kind of the the my thought process and kind of has been since I've been like what am I going to enjoy doing that it's not going to feel like work that I'm going to want to try really hard at um and and that was great advice from from my parents because I think that easily you can choose other career options that have a more guaranteed pathway but I was just like if I just keep following what I'm enjoying and you know, that'll get me somewhere good, I'm sure. <laughs> Again, full of optimism. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say I love your just your energy and your it just seems like you look at life in such a light way and everything's super like, you know, light and all of that. For those of us who maybe aren't as I don't even know what you call it, you know, bubbly no, and yeah. uh, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all, but you know, just wanting to follow our passions. You know, what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who maybe have a bit more pressure from their parents to do what they, you know, they should do and all that kind of jazz? What advice would you give to them? You know what, my, um, weirdly, my siblings aren't quite the same as I am. And um, which I always find mad, like, you know, how have we had the same parents selling us the same thing? Whereas my sister is like, no, I want to, she's doing civil engineering and has guaranteed a certain kind of trajectory for her, for her career path. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it really helps, actually. Like, so don't beat yourself up, A, if you're not that, yeah, let's just give it a go and see what happens type. Um, the guy I run the business with, Ben, he is very much planned for the worst case scenario. And I've definitely learned how to how to do that because I definitely in our earlier years, I would go into things being like, you know, it doesn't matter that we've not thought this through. This is plan A. I'm sure it will work out. And, you know, what, a lot of the time it does work out. If you really believe it's going to, it really does. But it doesn't always. But I guess the, the thing that I would say to people that kind of worry a bit more about... Um, almost how to how to approach things and like letting things go and just going with it is that even if it doesn't work that's okay as well like worst case scenario often isn't that bad so just <laughs> give it a go and, and and see and actually you become way less scared of of things not working so um so yeah I think that's probably what I would say is it doesn't don't like pine after this carefree attitude but also don't be afraid of getting it getting it wrong you just try something else. Mm. <laughs> I, I could not agree more and I think so many of us do get it so wrong and, you know, and that's just part of the journey. And I, I think I, that's what I loved most about kind of what where you've gone. You know, you did 
um, broadcast journalism at Leeds and, you know, obviously, you know, it was a bit more than just the netball court that I <laughs> ended up coming out from there. But it's it's super cool. Talk to us a little bit about that transition during your university days and then kind of your thoughts about what you wanted to do afterwards. Yeah, so, so definitely... Um, you know, I kind of like play it down slightly when I say I just went there for the netball. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but um, so from probably about the age of 16, um, I was like, and I actually found, so do you know, I don't know if this happens in Australia, but um, they do like school assessments and they do these questionnaires to try and find out what your career paths are mm, sometimes. Okay, yeah. And um, I can't actually remember what it came out that I should be. I think media was in there. Um, but I'd written down two kind of career... Um, goals that I wanted to set for myself that I could do this and it was either a professional sportswoman <laughs> or a TV presenter oh, <laughs> so I, I love like, them both God, it wasn't even it wasn't aiming low <laughs> either of those things Very but, but quite like the age 16 I was like yeah I showed that level of ambition that I still do feel like I have yeah um so, so no, consciously started to think, actually, I do think I'd love to go into, into the media and actually potentially combine my love of sport and broadcasting. So it was kind of eyeing up Sky Sports and um, also kind of thought media training generally, if it's com- combined with journalism, will be really useful. So ended up deciding on broadcast journalism. Didn't go to visit Leeds um, because I just knew it was a good course. Yeah. So I was like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Again, like yeah, another lack of attention to detail, but full of optimism. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was great. It was the best, best three years. Made some of my best friends in the world. Met my husband uh, who played rugby at Leeds. So, uh, so definitely no regrets about kind of jumping into Leeds university life. Um, you know, got involved obviously with on the sports side of things, but also made time to do the kind of uh, student TV stations. So would kind of do the weather and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. Here's your dream, exactly. you know, live. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, goals. Yeah. Um, so kind of spent three years at university. Like I said, definitely working hard um, in in lots of capacities. But it was a really practical course, which was actually great because I know there's lots of complaints around. Um, I guess university not really preparing you. For for the working world and I definitely felt going into um into the kind of the world of of media that I knew how a tv show was produced I knew how a radio show was produced so like credit to that that course I would really recommend it to anyone that is wanting to get into into broadcasting um they were great lecturers all from kind of industry backgrounds as well so um so yeah that was kind of super super interesting and learned loads uh when I graduated, I'd never like traveled or anything. So, you know, I'm an August baby. So I was always young in my year. And so I graduated before I was 21, which felt really young. So I was like, oh my God, I'm like 20 and I'm in the working world. And like, do I just get stuck in? And I don't get me wrong, I love a holiday, but I'm not much of a traveler. So I was like, I don't think I need to do the stereotypical kind of year of backpacking somewhere in Southeast Asia. <laughs> um, Skip out on that one. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I kind of always peppered my um, summer holidays through school with internships and things like that. So I was like, oh, I'll just you know, get stuck in and see what, what's out there and managed to get um, an internship at Sky Sports, uh, which was awesome. 
So I did a bit in the rugby union department, which was amazing having kind of grown up with a big, in a big rugby family. Um, it was, they were all very jealous, put it that way. Um, even though the reality of my day to day back then was like, you know, running and getting tea and coffee and getting tapes from the, you know, sound equipment and running them over to give them to someone else. Like, you know, going through rushes and trying to kind of note down notable bits of play and things like that. So it wasn't glamorous looking back. But A, I think everyone needs to put in that graft and, and do those types of types of jobs. I learned so much. And I also think I was quite humble with it. I was like, I have no right to do anything more than this. Like I I literally I've got a degree, sure, but I don't know anything. These people have been working in this industry for 10, 15 years, kind of in, in most cases. So like, yeah, I will happily make sure you've all got cups of tea <laughs> <laughs> and watch and learn. Um so and then I also did a stint um, in the NFL department. In that point, um, I got a job as a as a runner. Um, again, it's probably just like a formalised version of the intern jobs I was doing, uh, which again, running around basically with equipment, food, drink, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but again, then I was doing like night shifts on Sunday nights because obviously the feeds from the NFL was coming over from the US, and um, it was it was again like really not glamorous stuff but and I remember thinking like the biggest um bit of responsibility I had was controlling the auto queue and and actually I was like that is like such an important job <laughs> oh should I be trusted <laughs> um so and it's it's really lovely looking back and actually thinking that was that was in like 2010 2011 it was ages ago in one sense but it wasn't that long ago in one in another uh, you think god at that time controlling the auto queue felt like a really scary thing to do uh, so it's quite humbling when you look back uh, at that um, but anyway it was a really interesting time to be in broadcasting um, and uh, one of the producers on Sky I was having a chat with them about I guess like how it works and how kind of longing you need to be a runner for before you kind of can progress and they were like definitely can see like reporting potential in you which was obviously really exciting but it was a really interesting time because the um the world of broadcasting was almost contracting and condensing because it was the rise of the age of the multimedia journalist so once upon a time they sent you know a couple of cameras a producer a reporter um you know the whole kind of the whole crew went to 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 kind of capture and report on something whereas now it was turning into one man bands so you turn up with the camera and your tripod and you set it all up and you stand in front of the camera do your bit and you come back to the studio so um a people were being made redundant b people would because of people being made redundant people weren't leaving so it was a really stagnant place and um the, this producer, it was some of the best advice. And actually, if they'd not said this to me, I wouldn't have left. Um, so, you know, thanks, Carl. <laughs> um, and he said, you know, you've got all the time in the world, like you're 20. You know, why not go and do something else? Like you will definitely be able to get back in the door. Like, you know, just let me know if you want to come back. But you could be at this runner level, um, which is the bottom of the ladder and earning next to no money like there's no chance I would have been able to move move out of home yet um and he's like yeah you can always come back into it but why not go and like get some more experience it only, ben only benefits you later down the line anyway and come back to it if it's still something you want to do 
So it was like, okay, like, again, um, I think a lot of people would be scared to leave once they had a job at Sky. Um, But again, my general outlook of, I'm sure it'll be fine if I want to come back, it'll work out. And uh, so, yeah, just kind of said, that's great advice. And I think I might do that. So did that and um, then did a few internships in the magazine, the Glossy Mag world, the magazine world, um, which... I quickly realized was not for me. You know, I had, you know, some people talk about the culture of the glossy magazines and whether it's full of kind of like quite female um, bitchiness. And I didn't get that at all. Like genuinely, I had a great, great time meeting the people there. Um, I had a great entertainment um, editor at when I was at Look Magazine who, you know, brought me along on interviews and all that kind of stuff and gave me loads of responsibility. And you know, I, so I really enjoyed it. But there was one moment where, um, and in hindsight, I now totally get the panic from a commercial perspective, but my 20-year-old self didn't get it. Um, when Cheryl Cole was on the front cover of the magazine, and it's a weekly magazine, and it was when she had this like plum red hair. And overnight, the issue was due to go to press uh, or go to print in a couple of days' time. And we came in one morning and everyone was like, oh my God, Cheryl Coles dyed her hair blonde. Like, quick, get it to the, get a death to the photo team, da, 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 da. And I was like, oh my God, I can't have the, the biggest moment of my week being about a celebrity's hair colour. In hindsight, now, I'm like, that picture of her with old hair colour will make the magazine look outdated and it, would sell, it wouldn't sell. So now I understand the commercial panic and actually so maybe it's fine for that to be the biggest biggest part of my week but at the time I just remember being like I don't get it I don't get this and um so I was like no that's not for me and then my godmother um has always been in PR and I never really knew what PR was until I actually was in the magazine world um and they were saying, oh, yeah, obviously we get something, all these boring press releases for brands trying to, <laughs> trying to promote stuff. Um, and on a slow news day, you dig them out. Um, and anyway, so I was like, OK, well, maybe I'll kind of talk to Sally a bit more about how it all works and almost like what the skill is in it. And that sounds really rude. But again, I just hadn't been close enough to it to, to kind of respect it as, a, as an industry or understand it. Um, Anyway, she was like, well, why don't you, like, I'll, I'll, I'll arrange for you to meet someone from the team and if you want to kind of pursue an in, kind of an internship or um, explore the industry a little bit more, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, see if there's anything we can arrange. And um, which is, again, like, it's... I sometimes feel really bad when it comes to, like, using contacts and who you know. Um, and the reality is I'm now really open to people that I don't know and supporting people I don't know because I was really lucky that I had a godmother that I could say, hey, Sal, you're in PR, what's the deal? You know, loads of people don't have that. So when you get that cold email saying, hey, I want to learn more about social marketing, would you mind giving me like half an hour for a coffee? You know, say yes to those people. Um, Anyway, ended up finding it really interesting because it was the first time, and I call it like the business world, it's the first time the kind of creative media kind of world that I had, had been in I could see it combining with this quite commercial, um, yeah, world of business where the, the the content you're creating matters to a brand or product. And um, that was just like, oh my God, I love that combination. And I'd never really seen myself working in the commercial world. 
um but kind of quite enjoyed that that kind of yeah that combination for the first time and um so then um took it up on myself I was like right I'm not gonna work with my godmother that's too close to home I'm not I'm not don't want the easiest route so started applying for different roles um within uh PR and had got offered a job at a beauty PR company um, called Chalk PR, who was still going and do it's a really small boutique um, agency, but have a great client list. Remember they had like Bumble and Bumble at the time, which was like super cool. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, like think of all the Bumble and Bumble I could have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my glorious hair. Um, and, you know, and one of my jobs in, uh, and I got offered the job. Um, and, uh, and actually they'd been really honest with me. They'd said, you'll learn loads, but we're the founders. We're not going anywhere. So you will reach a cap and we're not interested in growing headcount massively. So, um, you'll probably only want to stay here for two, three years max, but you'll learn loads and it'll set you up really well. And I really appreciated that transparency from day one. Um, and that kind of really resonated with me. And so I, yeah, accepted the job verbally. And, uh, and then that is where I think I put something on Facebook being like, yeah, let's starting a job at Chalk PR. Like, can't wait. And then uh, two friends of mine um, kind of got in contact with me and said, please don't sign any contracts or anything. We've got this idea and we've been meaning to talk to you. Can you come and meet us tomorrow? And uh, kind of long story short, Rob and Ben, um, it was their idea to kind of start Born Social. Um, But previously, kind of a bit of a lifetime ago, when we were about 16, they used to run, they're kind of entrepreneurs, they used to run under 18 uh, events. And, um, and, and yeah, so I, and I used to sell tickets and selling tickets to, um, an under 18 event when you're at a convent school is easy. (laughs) (laughs) So I was kind of like the number one sales girl. Ready to go. So, um, so anyway, I thought it was an evolution of that. And so I was like, oh, I mean, that's really nice of them, but I'm not really in the under 18 events kind of scene anymore. And like ticket sales aren't really my thing these days days so um I went to meet them to basically say thanks but no thanks and then they kind of said this is where our heads are at what do you think about joining us and and yeah the rest is is history as they say (laughs) it is it is wow I love I love this type of conversation because I think it's it's just so cool to see where your head was at from right from the beginning all the way through to okay now we're starting this agency where we're all quite young, you know, we're all still not really knowing what's going on. Your first job, your first real job, yeah. you kind of turned down. And I think it's it's just so cool to see. I think something else I really notice about you and something I want to ask you about is, is the fact that you're and it ties back into your laissez-faire, your kind of, you know, free spirit energy, which I love, is that idea of just kind of going against the grain in certain aspects. So even back when, you know, that thing with the hair at that magazine, you were like, you know what, this isn't for me, let's just move on. And I think so many of us, and the same obviously with starting your your agency, you were like, oh, well, this is opportunity, but then there's also another one, but you know what, let's just go for it. Almost doing the opposite of what we naturally want to do. What advice would you give to our peers out there listening who perhaps – you know, often go the other way, often think, you know, but no, um, how could I just stand out from the crowd? How could I go and start an agency at 21? You know, how could I just kind of 
let that um, job offer go and all of that. What advice would you give to them, those who are struggling with just getting a bit more out of their heads? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. And actually someone um, once gave me this tool, which I, I use now, didn't, didn't use back then. But I think the older you get um, or the older I've got, the more... Yeah, the more scared you do get, you've, you know, you've got more responsibilities to think of. And so taking risks becomes riskier. <laughs> um, and so the, the, the trick that someone gave me was to say, if you knew it would, was, would work out, what would you do? And that, firstly, it just helps you be really honest with yourself around what you want to do. And so if someone says, you know, do you want to turn down the stable job or join a complete risk that could fold within months and you realistically might not get paid (laughs) you know yeah it's it's, you know what would you do but and then obviously that risk that kind of option b looks terrifying (laughs) so well why would i take the one where i might not get paid where i don't know if it's going to work where i might waste completely waste six months to a year of my life or if you look at it on the flip side and it works out uh it was well, you know, I will get paid. It'll be fine. I will work with two really smart people and um, I will learn loads. And actually the way I looked at it at the time was even if it doesn't work, I'm going to learn loads and probably more by it not working than if it does. And I think that the privilege I felt at the time was that I was young and I felt like I had all the time in the world to waste a year learning. And actually I used the word waste it would not have been a waste. And actually, no matter what age you are, a year of learning that intensely will never be a waste. Because guess what? There will always be a safe option to go back to. So I think I think that's probably when you're kind of toying up around going against the grain and going with the atypical option, it's, it's that what if you knew it would work? Um, and then really challenging yourself on and what happens if it doesn't work? Is is it a bad thing, really? Ah, oh, so well said, Charlotte. <laughs> I'm so many ideas of quotes are throwing going through my head now. I'm thinking about the social media posts for this. <laughs> it's all happening. I absolutely love it. Okay, so I want to dive a bit deeper into Born Social and what were some of you know the, some of the early steps you took to get it off the ground? It's a question we often get asked. So just give us maybe the first two or three steps that you took to yeah. make this happen. Gosh, Thinking a lot. I know, like <laughs> really casting my mind back. And actually, I try not to talk about it that much because you know the team now very much. I still want them to feel like they are part of the founding team of Born. So it actually doesn't really help. I think team morale by constantly being like. Back in the day, we were in this gross office on Brick Lane. Like, because they kind of, I want them to feel like they were there from the beginning. So if you point out too much that you weren't, it, it, that kind of, it doesn't work. So it's been a long time since we've kind of spoken about it or thought about it. But so, yeah, we were in a tiny office on Brick Lane. We shared it with another company, a games company. Um, it was important to us to have an office. Um, I think it's slightly different now there are so many kind of um flexible working options but I think back then a we were trying to feel legit and in the zone and if you speak to a lot of people that that start businesses lots of people keep things as a side hustle for a really long time and it's only when they treat it like their job that it starts taking off so from day one we were 
really quite serious about how um we wanted wanted to feel about born social it yes there might have only been three of us but it was uh it it needed to feel like a legit setup so like legit I do say it was a greenhouse (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah it was boiling boiling hot we shared it with the games company who they actually just didn't speak they just kind of coded all day long um we never had clients to our office because I mean the lifts there were graffiti in the lifts like it was is not pretty um for any London listeners it's the Truman Brewery um which I'm sure is beautiful these days uh, because it's it's a much nicer area than it was back then as well um but but so so yeah we had our office we never went to uh, let clients come we would always go to client meetings um so we kind of we definitely knew our next step we wanted to have an office where clients could come and see us because the amount of time again you used to be spent traveling around meeting clients just because we hadn't didn't have a really have a meeting room and basically it was just a really gross <laughs> building for them to come in we had to wash our mugs up in the bathrooms like honestly it was so basic um but again that was like it was part of the fun and the excitement of the startup world and um I do think it's easier when you are 21 because actually you're not that long out from uni and like that life is quite familiar <laughs> yeah uh, so it was kind of fine but I know from speaking people that joined the startup world slightly later they kind of struggle with that real really stripped back um approach and and equally it's the everyone yeah had a job title but everyone did everything so like at the time um you know I was writing blogs I was reporting I was posting content I was creating content which is an absolute joke like <laughs> no so anyone time. now yeah, yeah like, why would she let anywhere near you know, I was probably creating most of it in like powerpoint yeah. And, and yeah paint rather than anything it's just so embarrassing yeah. um but yeah so we were all getting yeah. stuck into mm. to anything and also the reality was is when you went on a holiday like you know you couldn't be a hundred percent off and equally, when you're a team of four, three or four, if one person goes away, that's a third of the company that's away. So there's so even more to do. Um, so, you know, we were pretty good with working hours in the sense that we we knew the importance of having weekends. Um, but, well, I say that. We still do the community management for brands on the weekends, but we would switch off. Whereas you do hear, again, some entrepreneurs that really struggle with burnout because I totally get it when you're when you can't guarantee the paycheck at the end of the month you how can you justify not working so I totally get it but I think the reality is you need to factor in that recovery time or you know come Monday you're not going to be half as effective and as efficient as you would be if you had that time so we always um, were quite focused around, again, treating it like a proper business. So having our office, having our working hours and our time off. And yeah, maybe it wasn't quite as much time off as other people would would give themselves, but it was still a bit of a routine. Um, and I mean, constantly also everyone sold. So there was no one in the business um, that couldn't go to a meeting and couldn't bring on a client. And that was really important. And actually, we can kind of continued that. You know, when we built the, up the creative team, it wasn't part of their roles, but definitely all the account managers and any client service roles. If a lead came in, we would absolutely make sure that 
they were capable of going and meeting that lead and telling them about Bourne and the services. But more than that, it was social was so new. So, so much of our sell actually was not about why born social. It was why <laughs> social. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, that was actually the thing that we needed to make sure people were really, really slick on their understanding of. And obviously they were all choosing to join the social industry. So, you know, that definitely helped. That interest level was there, but they had to have, be able to really articulate why businesses needed to create a line in their marketing budget for social media when it doesn't currently exist. Um, so so those were a few of the early steps. We were still, I say we were picky about clients. We were still picky about clients. You know, that said, yeah, we worked with a curry house on Rick Lane <laughs> and I had to go and collect his checks by hand. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was down the road from our office. Uh, so again, Sultan, if you're listening, it was it was a pleasure. Um, and you definitely helped us get us here today. But but it was, so we, we picked our clients, but um, fundamentally early days, we were also really focused on just bringing in that, in that revenue, you know, profit. We didn't even think, and actually have only really started paying attention to over the last few few years um so you know that wasn't even a second thought it was mainly revenue that that we we had our had our eye on at the time so I think those were some of the yeah the earlier steps that we that we took to to get things up and running and and off the ground um and obviously the thing I didn't mention is being really really picky about the people that you're letting into the business um, and I think we were really lucky that we got it really right early on. And um, so Ben and I obviously still still run the business together. Um, our director team, uh, Abby is our client services director, Paddy, our creative director, they joined a year after us in that first year. So they've been with us for six years now. Callum, our strategy director, joined the year after. So he's been there for five years. So you know, our director and our, our leadership team that they're all still there and and they they joined us from the beginning so it's it's so amazing to have that level of stability still in the business mm. uh, so those good decisions good decisions or complete accident I don't know but they paid off massively and mm. but no don't worry we did get it wrong at certain points too so we weren't perfect <laughs> I love that and I think that the fact that the leadership team has been there for so long and it's really almost formed the culture of what you know your business now is I think that's such credit to you guys I mean for for kind of cultivating that kind of energy in the business and I think I mean it's something we talk a lot about on the show is this idea of like people coming to work feeling like they're actually contributing and they're doing things they're passionate about because then that ultimately you know it leads to better better end result for everyone I think and I think that's it's such kudos to you guys like I it's it's so cool to even see your team on your website and you can almost feel the energy so yeah no I just think it's I think it's super cool okay wow look Charlotte we've we've covered a lot of lot of ground today there is a couple few few questions left that I'd love to get into before we wrap up the first one is, and they're both kind of about the failures, which we always love <laughs> to hear. Course. The first one is, what were some of your greatest challenges taking Born Social from just a startup to kind of the company that it is today? So, I mean, it's a really good question. And we have been on such a journey mm. and there have been different challenges along the way. But I think um, probably the biggest challenge for us was it was never our social media expertise or our understanding of the industry um, or 
even like hiring and finding people. I think we've been having a strong culture and knowing what we're about attracts quite determined, um, clear-minded team members as well. So we've been really lucky on the on the team front too. But our client profile is probably the thing that we needed to refine over the years. So we started, as I said, working with with startups um, and our whole proposition st- and still to this day is um, we want to, we're want we a social media agency for brands that think like David, not Goliath. Um, back then, they were the literal Davids versus the Goliaths. They were tiny startups versus these, you know, coming up and competing with these big Goliath corporates. And they felt like they were, um, you know, out-muscled in every single way. So our proposition to them was we can help you using social media outsmart Goliath. As the story goes, ultimately, yes, David was small and you know had didn't have any battle experience and all that kind of stuff uh goliath had everything he needed to to win but fundamentally david was just smarter with his strategy um so and that was the kind of ethos that we had we worked with small businesses to turn the constraints and the limitations they had actually into creative constraints and to force them to use them um and to make them smarter so um it was a real joy working with startups. It's a super exciting kind of place to be playing in. Um, no one cares as much as founders. So actually, you know, there's nothing worse than an um, apathetic founder or um, marketing manager when you're, as an agency, trying hard to suggest these ideas and you just think, God, you don't really care about this. Whereas a founder is so invested and rightly so. Um, so it was a super exciting place to be playing. However, it's... A volatile place and um you know marketing is one of the things that is obviously super super important getting your brand out there but when cash is tight it goes and so retaining clients was really hard and when you're trying to build a business on a retained model it was it was tough when a business would go out of business for no fault of of your own so um that was one of the reasons over the years we just gradually started scaling up the type of profile of business that we used to work with so for a long time and I would say the first three four years we very much were labeled and labeled ourselves as an agency for SMEs um but we made a conscious decision probably about two years ago now to um to i guess rem- to, to to not target that market and that's not to say that we wouldn't work with an sme but it's to say that's not what just what we're about anymore and actually we were starting to get and it's really interesting psychologically and again this is the power of good marketing is when you publicly label yourself as we're this and you're we're not for this the people that you say we're not, not for, for this they're like hang on maybe we want you <laughs> so actually we would we started seeing a lot of the bigger kind of the bigger goliath brands mm-hmm. start coming to us and go oh god but you know we we love challenger thinking um you know you have clearly proven your your worth and your ethos by working with all these like cool interesting startups we need an injection of that from our agencies we're a bit stale and stagnant and we need to keep you know uh thinking agilely and and uh so they were coming to us saying we want a bit of you so we were like okay well actually maybe we are more appealing to the bigger brands Mm -hmm. and actually they're really now the social world and industry has evolved 
so much. So they are at this stage really now treating social as a uh, a channel that they are using to solve big business problems, not just we just want our pages to look pretty. Because again, that's why we didn't want to work with them before. Because they're like they're not using social media well. You know, they're not taking it seriously. They're doing their big TV ads and their big billboards. Like that's what they're focused on. Um, whereas, yeah, by the time we were you know three, four, five years in social had evolved enough where they were like no here's this really juicy brief we need social media to solve x or to achieve y mm. and we were like yeah we want a bit of that yeah so we did went through this whole um rebrand to to not rebrand obviously mm. we we're still called born social but facelift yeah. <laughs> uh, to to kind of it also reflected i think us as a business and as as people so we it was a bit more grown up um it looked a little bit less risky so i think before we were the new kids on the block we looked like a young agency our colors were quite our branding was quite playful and there was a smiley face in the logo and um and actually we kind of just tightened things up to reflect the fact that we were a slick operation now at this stage we're a team of what 35 and and we weren't messing around anymore either we'd been doing it for long enough we knew what we were doing and uh yeah we were ready to kind of take a seat at the at the big boys table and uh, so we kind of made those made those changes but that was a long journey to get from you know year one working with the curry house on brick lane paying by check to working with you know l'oreal brands <laughs> and uh and, and and unilever and things like that so it's it's that that evolution has been really challenging because each scale whether it's startup sme or kind of bigger bigger business whether it's independent or 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 part of a wider uh, wider group they've all got their own ways of working and definitely along the way we were too pandering we were like whatever you need you know we just wanted to work with the brands and so we'd be too flexible and uh and actually that then made them doubt us and go hang on why are you just like you know doing whatever we say we want you to tell us what you should we should be doing and 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 we think we learned the importance of being authoritative and actually going no we need to know who we are how we work and what we want to be doing and um and and yeah being a bit stronger with our our stance on things um and i think once we learned that that made profiling much easier it made winning work much easier it made delivering work much easier um so yeah i think probably yeah client profile was is is the challenge that we've overcome um and faced time and time again over the last seven years um but yeah super happy with kind of where we are right now having yeah this year we've won um yeah, Nando's, Copperberg, Veet, Tinder, Snickers. Oh, so, you know, huge. these are all super exciting contracts that have all just started at the beginning of, of the year. And mm-hmm. again, they absolutely uh, bring those juicy business problems that we want to be getting our teeth stuck into. So the hard work around toiling and sweating over the type of clients that we should be working with um, has has paid off. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible Charlotte it's it's so cool to hear the evolution and 
I think so many of us who are at the start of our journeys and and kind of thinking, oh, but we'd love to work with these guys or, you know, how cool it'd be if we got that brand name on or whatever it is and still struggling with just cash flow issues and trying to get things rolling. I think it's it's just so cool to see that when you do just stick at it, when you do just do the hard yards and work with the small businesses and make that difference in them, that ultimately, you know, you will get to a point where it's, you know, you're going, yes, we did it. So I absolutely love that about your story. And I, I love that you've shared that with us. Um, just you know, as we come to the close of today's episode, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Charlotte, for the phenomenal work you've done and that you're doing and that your team's done and that your team is doing. As you mentioned, you've won so much phenomenal business this year, and you've also won many awards over the years. You received the Digital Impacts Award of 2018, the UK Agency Award several years in a row, and you've also been listed on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Go you. It's absolutely (laughs) awesome. And we just so appreciate you showing us that, as I said earlier, when you do persist, when you do just put your hand up and jump into the ring, you know, ultimately it does work out and you can get there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's honestly, it really is quite surreal when you look back at what you have achieved, because honestly, none of those things were specific goals. And I really do believe if you focus on the right stuff, the important stuff, all of that stuff comes. I I 100% know if I'd said I'm setting out to get myself on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, it wouldn't have happened because you chase things that you think are shortcuts. You know, humans are inherently, I think it's Richard Branson that says this, humans are inherently lazy. And that's a good thing because you look for efficiencies, you look for ways to make things easier. But I think sometimes like goal setting is important, but they have to be the right goals. And if you focus on materialistic stuff, you you make bad decisions, you make the wrong decisions. Whereas we from day one have focused on working with great clients, doing great valuable work for them that makes a difference. Um, you know, from day one, if we didn't do that, the client would go out of business. So even early on, we were like, right, who are we working with? And can we make a difference to them? If we don't think we can actually help them, we shouldn't be working with them. Um, and, and building a team that is happy and healthy at work, that love what they do, um, that feel supported and that love coming to work. And if you build that kind of that environment, you know, the clients, the good work, the awards, that that comes um so it's that's it's worked for me anyway so that's all like all I can say and it's it's well carry on carry on doing and and again I think at, um at uh, I was asked uh, in another interview um like you know what's next what's the mm. next goal and I was like I, honestly I haven't got one well at the moment you know <laughs> I'm cooking a baby so <laughs> oh, amazing yeah so thank you so that's the next wow. big, <laughs> big challenge but again yeah. I think wow. you just have the confidence that every challenge you've taken on so far mm. if you hope for the best um, and plan a little bit for the stuff that might not work so mm. well <laughs> but again just have the faith that it'll all it'll all figure out in the in the end and whether it's you're smart enough to figure it out or you've got great people around you that will help you figure it out um it'll all come it'll all come good so there is there is no big next career goal but that does not mean uh something great won't happen because you know they as i've learned over the last seven years it does tend to materialize if you just keep plugging along Mm. (laughs) 
Oh, I love it, Charlotte. And a huge congrats on your next, on your child and, you know, on the next phase of your life. It's going to be so interesting and we're so excited to follow along. So our final question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at The Pierce Project, and that is what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Got a biggie to end on. Um, I, I mean, I think how I would answer that is with the word success. And I think um, what people get wrong um, is providing the wrong or having the wrong definition of what success is. And I think I have learned that over the years, success for me is... Um, health and happiness and um I I love coming to work every day and I think this year well two years ago my dad passed away really suddenly and you know he was my absolute hero and I really worried it was the first time anything bad truthfully anything bad had happened to me and I was so lucky to get to 27 years old and to for that to be the first kind of massive personal I guess, like crisis that I found myself in. But having, you know, and grief never ends for sure. But having had that happen, having gone through that, the way I have now view my friends, my family, my work, you know, having those stars aligned, that is what success is for me. And doing something you are passionate about, it actually helps all of those areas. For sure, it helps the professional area. But when you come home and you've been with good people all day and you've been doing stuff that you enjoy, and don't get me wrong, I don't love every single part of my day. There are parts that are really hard. There are parts that are boring. But the person you that walks through the front door at the end of the day is a happier, healthier person as a result. So, yeah, I think the value of doing something you're passionate about is ultimately it will help you achieve success and you know, define how success, how you will, but that's that kind of happiness and contentment for me is, is what it is, what it means. Oh, Charlotte, ladies and gentlemen, this has been absolutely awesome. I'm so excited for everyone to listen into this episode. Where can people learn more about you and Born Social? Yeah, so obviously <laughs> social media. Yeah. <laughs> Get on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, at Be Born Social on, on all channels, um, just Born Social on, on Facebook. Um, and then our website is bornsocial.co.uk and you can see some great case studies of work that we've done. You can see my amazing, amazing team. Um, so yeah, go check us out and stay tuned for you know, whether it's social developments and uh, all the juicy gossip. I always say, if you want to know what's going on in social, just follow us on, on social media, we'll tell you. Um, and yeah, we'll allow, share any, any cool client work that we're up to uh, on there too. So uh, it's worth, worth a follow. Worth a follow. I love that. We'll link that up in the show notes. Charlotte, we've had an absolute ball. I so appreciate you. I think you're bloody awesome. And I cannot wait for everyone to hear this episode. For everyone else listening, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe 
to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played. And leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.